it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. This episode is sponsored by the Living Room Hair Lounge, where beauty and comfort is our top priority. Hi, everyone. I have an awesome show in store for you today. I had a great interview with Chantel Gray. Chantel is the owner of Pretty Girl Studios. She is also a hairstylist, and she has been in this industry for over 19 years, and she really knows what it takes to become the boss that she is today. She really shared her journey on how she got started in this industry and how what happened leading up to that. And she really shared some great business advice and business tips. And it's very clear that she's passionate not only about her clients and servicing them, but about the business side of beauty and really making sure she's operating properly in business and also teaching others how to do the same. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. Here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Chantel Gray. Welcome, Chantel. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So, Chantel, you've been in this industry for almost 20 years now, mm-hmm. and you're the owner of Pretty Girl Studios. Yes, yes, that's my baby. Yep, so we know you're, you know, this awesome hairstylist and salon owner, but before we get into that, I like to ask, what is, is there something about you that most people wouldn't know? (laughs) So, I mean, well, some people pick it up after a while. I mean, I sing a little bit, but it's not something where people are like, oh, let me hear. I'm going to be like, no, if you want to hear me sing, come to church. (laughs) Y'all, y'all don't know what y'all missing. Y'all got to hear her oh sing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Some people don't know that, though, but yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Some people don't know. Okay. But, um, yeah, and I, I I haven't played in a while, but I play a little piano. It's it's real dusty, though, because I just have not had time. Um, whew, what else would you not know about me? Um, I think... I'm becoming more of an introvert the older the older that I get, and that's what's really crazy because I've definitely been the extrovert. Wow, wow, I, I can see you know how you know that can can happen because mm-hmm. I think I've changed a little bit. We all change. Oh because. yeah. <laughs> so I can see that. So what do you like to do in your spare time? Like, what are some of your hobbies? Girl, eating. <laughs> I know that probably sounds terrible. Listen, I love. Ooh, guys, like, oh, just going out and having a good time, going to a nice restaurant, um, definitely spending time with my husband and my family. Now that the weather is nice, um, been bike riding this summer, definitely catching some good movies and flicks, you know, just saw The Lion King and that was good. But um, yeah, just, oh, traveling is another thing that I love to do. Like, I'm itching to go out of town, but you know how it is when you're a boss. You know, you got to plan stuff out. So, yeah, those are some things that I absolutely love to do. Awesome, awesome, great. So you um, have been a hairstylist, like we said, for like almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. But how did you always know that you were a hairstylist? Like, how did you get into this industry? Well, for me, um, I had the inclination that I wanted to get into doing hair when I was 12. Oh, so wow. I was a young girl, you know, growing up. You eventually learn how to keep yourself up, do your hair and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when puberty hit, you start noticing boys looking at you. (laughs) So, you know, you really start to care about your appearance. And um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, actually was a licensed cosmetologist. So she would do our hair for Easter and stuff. But um, we didn't really have the salon experience all the time. But I would definitely take all my baby dolls and start kind of cutting their hair and styling it. And um, just from there, I just was like, you know, I really want to kind of get into this industry. And so um, when it was time to, like, take the test for, like, Cast King or Renaissance, I took the test and got accepted to Cast. But they didn't have cosmetology as a... um, curriculum since Cass is more of a business school mm-hmm. so I took up vocational music so that's where the music part comes in I knew how to sing but I learned how to 
read music, play the piano, all that kind of stuff. And then shortly after that, um, after graduating, it was like, you got to go to college. So I went to college for like a quick second, <laughs> like literally a semester and was like, yeah, no. And so then after that, I was like, I really want to go to school for hair. So went on ahead and, and got enrolled and did all of that and got licensed after that. <laughs> wow. So it's interesting that, you know, so you went to a traditional college mm-hmm. at first before you went to cosmetology school. Yeah, Wayne State University. Oh, okay. So was your family supportive of that when you decided to make the switch? <laughs> Listen here. I think one of the stigmas that we see um, when it comes to the beauty industry is a lot of people think that it's not a real job. You know, mm-hmm. they think we're just playing around in here that you can't really make a career out of it and so being that um my mom at the time was a single parent and she was just doing all of this raising my sister and myself alone it was really I feel like pressure because she wanted to make sure one that we grew up to be good you know solid women in um this world but then it was also this thought process that you have to go to college in order to be successful, you have to get a degree. And I'm not against that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But on the flip side, please don't sleep on the trade because it's people with degrees who are struggling right now. It is. And people with trades, we kind of, we live in our best life. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how else to tell you. It's not just doing hair. I mean, it's a lot of work that goes into what we do. I mean, it is a science behind this. Mm-hmm. We're not just playing around, you know, it's chemicals involved. You start talking about the properties of the hair and scalp. And even now it's this whole topic about stylists, not shampooing their yeah, clients. And I just lot. said, oh, are we, uh, but I just feel like even on that part of the spectrum that that's just another way in my opinion that people are trying to skate around doing things the right way you know there mm-hmm. are certain regulations that are in place not just for the consumer or the customer but to protect you as the owner this is why there are rules you know what i'm saying and sometimes mm-hmm. people are trying to cut corners so that they don't have to necessarily get state board involved so they trying to well if you don't if you come shampooed and all we doing is braiding and it's like people not really shampooing their hair properly at home you know right. this is like that's the main part of the service so ugh, i could go on and on and on about that. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's interesting that you say that because i think um the way America is now, it's like you go to high school, then you go to college, and you get this degree. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then you're going to be working at McDonald's for the yep. rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's how they kind of make it seem. That's like exactly no what they options. do. Yep. Like you can't do anything else. You got to you got to either go to college, get a degree, or you got to work at McDonald's. Yep. And it's like that. There's so many other things out here. So many. Like you don't have to. Mechanics make a lot of money, but you don't have to go to college to be a mechanic. Heating and cooling. I mean, when I think about every time I've had to get the furnace looked at at the salon, because these are the things that come with running a business. And just to come out to look. (laughs) <laughs> it's right. like $125. Right. I'm like, excuse me, I'm in the wrong business. Right. So wrong industry, please right? don't sleep on a trade, you know, and, this, and the sad reality again is, you know, college is great. Um, sometimes I wonder what my life would have been like if I had the whole stand in the dorm kind of experience and things of that nature. But the sad reality is, there are so many people right now stressing out over student loans. Oh, yeah. And they're not even doing anything with their degrees. Oh, You know, so not. this is not a bash college situation. It's just a, it's a, a, a real topic, I think, that needs to be talked about. Like, somebody even had rose up the, um, the statement basically saying, like, it's mighty funny that the government will give you all this money for a student loan, but ask for money for your business, and it's like pulling teeth. It is. It's so much paperwork to go through. You so many things you have to prove just to get money for your business, and you're trying to, you know, grow something, establish something, even if you've already been bringing in money oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. And, and you got paper to show it. You It's still hard 
But then they'll quickly give you a loan. At 18, you ain't hardly got no credit. If your cl- if your right. parents have not, because I, I mean, and I understand, you know, some families were not um, necessarily maybe aware of how to kind of teach, you know, us to get us prepared for adult life. You know, that's one of the things I was telling a friend we were talking, we were saying like, yeah, you know, if I had to choose what, should be taught in high school. I'm like, they need to be talking to them about finances yeah, and that was about checkbook, checkbook right? credit, you right. know, a mortgage because right now I'm not using what is the probability of, you know, I'm exactly. not using that right now. So no. it was kind of like, I get you wanted us to expand our mind, but for me, I want to learn things that I can actually apply to life because None of that matters when rent is due or like you say, when <laughs> I'm trying to go and get a loan so that I can make my business grow and do the things that I need to do. You know, it's just really crazy that you will go ahead and approve an 18 year old who's fresh out of high school, all this money for credit or a student loan. But then, like you said, somebody established coming with the numbers saying <laughs> I did this. And if I get anything, it's like, oh, we'll give you five thousand dollars. Exactly. What am I gonna do with that? Right, right. <laughs> we've, been, I, we've all been there. So um, I know you are, you know, a boss in your business. You are salon owner. Mm-hmm. But can you tell us a little bit about the start of your journey as a hairstylist? Like, oh wow! Right? Yeah. <laughs> so the interesting thing, though, is um, I was actually working as a teacher in the daycare. And like I said, I've always known, yes, girl, this is probably one of the reasons why I'm not ready for children because I had the two-year-olds. Oh, oh my wow, goodness. Yeah. And my te- my uh, director Terrible at the time twist. would never let me get out of that room. I was, she was like, you're so good with them. And I'm like, oh, no. But anyway, um, I was working in a daycare. And like I said, I had already, always kind of had this passion that I wanted to do hair. And so one of the parents of one of the students was a stylist. And she was like, how would you like to come and help me out on the weekends? And I'm like, great. You know, this was my entrance into the whole salon world. So I went on ahead, um, was working with her on Saturdays as an assistant, shampooing and blow drying. And then, you know, I didn't even know anything about beauty school. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, I would begin to talk to them like I did know about an apprenticeship program. But the lady who was the owner of the salon at the time just wasn't really trying to do that. And so she was the one saying, won't you look into some beauty schools? And this was before Google and the Internet. (laughs) So I was in the yellow pages trying to look up schools. And um, at the time, the, the school I ended up enrolling in was called Robertson's International College of Beauty. Um, Virginia Fair, I think, was phasing out at the time. Okay. So, and then it was about wh- how I could get to school. So I was trying to find some place that wasn't too far. And um, I went in the afternoons because uh, I was working during the day. And so I would go to school. When I got done on the weekends, I would help. You know, in the evenings, I started helping out in the salon a little more once people saw, you know, oh, okay, uh, extra hands on deck, which meant, extra money for them they could take more people and um went through that finished school took the state board and then just kind of hit the pavement you know trying to get myself out there was working with um a young lady uh named carmen johnson i love her to this day like you know she gave me my start you know and um just kind of worked up under her i watched her like a hawk when it came to certain things and then um just did started there and she let me start kind of growing my clientele so it was that whole thing like this generation y'all got social media we had to go out and pass out cards we had to <laughs> right. pass out flyers you know you would purchase a page in a hair book to try to get I yourself out the there books. oh are man they really, they're not really popular anymore are they no what what's popular now is these hair pages on instagram okay. so now okay. instead of you buying a page in a hair book what you're doing is you're paying this page basically oh, to promote like, your like, work. So they have like pages that have huge followings. Yes. And they promote you. And Pretty so you much. Okay, yep. I, I didn't even know about that. Oh yeah, that's how it works. The cut life. I mean, you have a lot of different pages now where it, if they have the following, they're kind of known for um, a specific look, 
or um, maybe a, a certain style, like the cut life is known for a bunch of haircuts, mm. you know, and then now we got all these hashtags and stuff, but yeah, so you pretty much do it that way now, but it was word of mouth, mm. it was passing off flyers back then, and it was business cards, and then um, one of the ways that I found myself growing my clientele was doing wedding parties. So um, I would have clients that would be getting married and they would want the entire wedding party to come to me. And after that, you know, people would see how good I did their hair for the wedding party because updos was kind of like the thing, mm -hmm. you know, pink curl ponytails. I know I'm probably dating <laughs> oh, myself. yeah, but I remember the pink curl ponytails. French rolls, yeah. all of that. And I <laughs> nailed those things. And so, but when they would see I would do those things really good, then it turned into, well, how much you charge for a regular? And they would become regular clients. Mm -hmm. And then just word travel and, you know, how it goes when you – do good work and you're professional, people will refer you to people. And here we are, <laughs> still in the game 19 years later. <laughs> so you must really love it. Oh, yes. What about six years ago? You uh, is, that how, is that how long it's been since you had your salon? Yes, yes. We celebrated six years, May 1st of this year. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank That's you. Oh, man. To be in business for six years, definitely. That's yes, indeed. Thank you. Yeah, um... You know, I started out working in a bunch of different salons first. You know, like, I get, even with this new generation of stylists, it's this anticipation to hurry up and get out there and just jump out there. No, I worked in five different atmospheres and salons, and I took notes the whole way. Mm -hmm. You know, when I originally got into the industry, I did not see myself owning it. I did not see myself having my own salon let alone um, <laughs> being a real, for real entrepreneur, you know, right. like where you're now the employer, you know, I didn't see myself that way. It was, you know, I'm going to just do these heads, I'm going to pay this rent, and then I'm going to keep it moving. You know, it's interesting. I, I went, like, so for the expo, I would go to beauty schools and talk to some of the students. And they have... I don't know, this misconception. They think that they're going to get their license and own a salon. I've honestly heard them say that. And I'm like, really? Like, you okay? so you the boss, just straight out of school. <laughs> so. And I think it's great that they're ambitious, but every time I go and talk to the students, I give them the real deal. I would never want to rain on your parade of dreaming of being that. But we have to be realistic. Yeah, you have to and crawl I, before you walk. I mean, because if you, I tell them, it's simple is if you can't even manage your money and your personal life, how you think this gonna roll over to your business? Because when we start talking about profit and loss statements, when we start talking about budgeting, when we start talking about taxes and payroll, you know, it's it's more than just setting your own hours, setting your own prices, using the products that you like. You know, like when we start talking about the business aspect of it, like as quickly as people are opening up salons, it is people just as quickly closing them. And that's the part that's breaking my heart because mm -hmm. it's like, man, for this to be a billion dollar industry, mm -hmm. people see the, the money, but they don't see the business side that's attached to it. And, right. and you get into it, you know, people getting these loans so that the salon could look beautiful. You done bought this expensive equipment, but don't mm -hmm. have no clientele. Right. No marketing. Like, no, we have to crawl for sure before we walk. And you definitely have to, like you said, understand the business and what it takes to operate a business. And also, it is good to learn from other people. You yes. don't have to reinvent the wheel. Go yes. work in a salon. Go train under somebody. Learn how it's done before yes. you just get out of school and step out there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you may have, I've seen people do that. They'll jack it out and they, they may make it look beautiful and it look nice. But when it came down to it, they really didn't have the clientele or the marketing skills or even the money to be able to hire the right people yes. to help them to do that. And mm -hmm. then the salon goes under. And that's part of the reason why I feel people always say it's finances why uh, businesses go under within the first five years. Finances is a part of it, but the reason why is because we're not managing the yep. money that's coming in. Mm -hmm. and then Some of us don't even don't know even, the money. Don't even know the money. Because yeah. as quickly as it's coming in, because we, like, and I'll be honest, you know, me being in this industry for as long as I have been, 
um, booth rental. Booth rental is the way that it has been. Mm-hmm. Me entering into it, I didn't know anything about a commission-based salon. I didn't know anything about that type of structure, and it has been frowned upon for so long. And now that I'm on the other side, I'm trying to get stylists and salon owners to see commission is the way and trying to get stylists to get out of the mindset of the salon is taking your money. No, 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 no. Because when you start to really calculate these numbers, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. see the tech, because you got to pay taxes, honey. Mm -hmm. You done made maybe six figures, uh, 30 what three percent of that gotta go to Uncle Sam? Right. But see, then we we not even gonna talk about the people who not quite sharing what they're really making. You know, that's uh-huh. the other part trying to undercut the industry, and it's like this is why they're trying to close more cosmetology schools. This is why in different states they're trying to shift how many hours is needed to even finish the course because their you know government money is no longer going to some of these schools because they start to feel like this industry is a joke because we're we're not being honest with Mm -hmm. some of our things we're not being integral and so the government starts to feel like if we are helping these schools to be open so that it's a trade and people could learn a skill and get a job but then they only making 25 thousand a year which we all know that that's that can't be true you know, if this is a billion you, dollar industry if you google it it says that oh to this day. i know that because that's all that they're they're reporting, reporting. Mm-hmm. how you doing that and you driving a bentley or you driving a mercedes <laughs> and and we got fendi bags and louis bags you know i just i oh my gosh i i mean i i personally am never going to tell you you can't um treat yourself we work hard behind the chair Mm -hmm. you know but when our priorities though are not necessarily in order and you know it's like you're gonna want to buy a house one day this is what i tell the students when i go this is the importance of the paper trail you can't take your appointment book to the car dealership and say hey i did this amount of people this week and made this amount of money and think they're gonna let you get a car no they want to see a a paper trail they want to see either your tax statements or a, a straight up pay stub. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like when I got my car, you know, as an entrepreneur, I had to prove my income. Yes. It was different from, you know, your traditional nine Absolutely. Um, I had to show all my bank statements. Yes. And, Same here. You know, it was different, mm-hmm. you know, for us. But if you haven't been, if you're handling all cash and you ain't been putting nobody in the bank and you, you're not managing everything, then yeah, that could be trouble. It's for very much so trouble. One person <laughs> yeah. you don't want to play with. Is the Internal Revenue Service? I repeat, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't want to play with them at all. At all. So, why do you? What do you think the biggest misconception is when it comes to the beauty industry? That you can just be it and make all of this money like overnight. I really think that people think that what we do is just playing hair or just playing makeup, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not understanding that there are people who come with hair issues and we're treating some problems. Then you have the side of it where this is where people come and really just let their guard down. It's stuff that your hairstylists know that your family don't know. Mm -hmm. Like we become counselors, we become encouragers, um, sometimes pastors. You know, having to talk people <laughs> off the ledge. Like, we literally are like therapists to some people, mm-hmm. you know. And to be able to have the capacity to stand up all day, do what we do. I mean, literally remember things. Like, we go through all um, different stages of life with people. When people lose a loved one, mm-hmm. going through a divorce. I mean, like, life happens and our our guests will come and sit in our chair and share all of these things with us as we are servicing them. And, you know, they become like family too. And my thing is, if you don't have the passion, not just for, for the service you provide, but a heart for people, because I can tell you right now, it's so many, I'm seeing it, especially with social media. It's like a gimmick now, mm-hmm. you know, to get in this beauty industry. You take a couple of professional pictures, you upload a little live video, you get you a YouTube channel, and all of a sudden, 
people think that you know what you're talking about. And that's right. not true. Exactly. It's so many people that are perpetrating a fraud, you know, because like I was telling somebody, you know, even when it comes to this whole thing about everybody being a boss and an entrepreneur and all of that is great, but I personally feel like you have to be called to it because this is not something that should be taken lightly. And it is so much work that is really involved. Like it's work. It's not just us playing around. It's really work and thought and um, skill that is attached to this. Yeah. And I think another misconception would be that it's easy. Oh, man. That is easy. People think it's easy. Like, I could just go to hair school. I feel like it is a gift. I can't, I don't, I don't have a desire to do hair, never did, and I don't do hair, mm-hmm. and it's not in me, mm-hmm. so I don't think if I went and paid money right now, went to a beauty school, graduated in a year or whatever, and got my license, I would be a hairstylist. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I would not be a hairstylist, because it's not in me. Yep. But people, it's a gift, and people think that they could just, they, they don't know, I, I kind of feel bad for people because they haven't taken the time to really look at, okay, what are my skills? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? What always came natural to me? Mm-hmm. So they really don't know yeah. what they're good at. But they see you and your Instagram page, and they see this person, that person. they like, oh, I want to get in the beauty industry. I'm going to do hair. I'm about to go get my license. Sometimes they do go get it. And then those are the people who will go get the salons and they close Six months later, mm-hmm. stuff like that. They I, see the dollars. That's what I feel dollars. like. They see the money. In some instances, we have been looked at almost like, lack of a better term, a drug dealer because it's mm-hmm. quick money. Quick money, yeah. You know, and my thing is like, no, 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 it's not quick. Like, that's the part that people don't see. It's I didn't not grow it until you put the grind in. That's what I'm saying. Like it, I didn't. This is nice. Like I tell people all the time, this is 19 years y'all looking at when yes. you see my salon. This is six years in the making, and I was working in other people's establishment a whole twelve years before I jumped into ownership. This was not something that happened overnight. So if I can cut their time down, mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily have to be. 19 years before you feel like you're bringing (laughs) some decent money. But my thing is, you know, you got to be willing to put the work in. There is such an entitlement mindset with some of the up-and-coming generation. And it's like, no, baby, nobody owes you anything. Mm -hmm. You have to get up and put some work in. You know, even with this industry, the flexibility that you can potentially have, like I said, the whole being your own boss, who cares if you could set your hours and, you know, name your price? But if you're going to be a professional, if you're not going to be on time for the, even if you don't start till noon, if you still getting there at one, right. when you put somebody on the books at noon, this is not helping your business. There is still a work ethic that is involved with being your own boss. And I tell people all the time, if you can't practice a good work ethic for somebody else's dream, how you think it's just going to cut on when it's your turn? Right. No, you got to practice these habits. You do. You do. And everyone, you know, and I don't think everyone that may have the gifting in in this industry is necessarily an entrepreneur either. Absolutely. That is very true because, you know, like I said, it's this whole thing. Everybody want to be a boss. Everybody want to be in charge. Listen, you have to know your role because some people are meant to be team players. If everybody was supposed to be a boss, then those of us who are called to be bosses wouldn't have no employees. Right. Like there's a role for everybody, you know, and sometimes it's just about finding the right situation and maybe the right team to plug into mm-hmm. so that you can flourish at your gift. You know, like when I think about, the future of Pretty Girl Studios, the goal is to eventually have like a um, salon manager. So I can just go back to just servicing the clients, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And worrying about the creative side of things. Like right now, I feel like in my own stage of where I'm trying to take the business, I'm in business mode. Mm -hmm. I'm in manager mode. I'm in owner mode. I'm in just really get this structure established. I'm not thinking about the photo shoots and all the fancy colors and the different cuts. Now I'm skilled in all of that stuff, but as the owner, that's the part that I think some people don't realize that 
all of the responsibility falls on you. And if you are not good with your money, good with management, if you if you one of those people who get stressed really quickly, I don't know if entrepreneurship is for you, but you can just literally come to work and just do what you love and go home. I think that that's the smart way. So it's nothing wrong with if you want to just be a stylist, working in a salon, servicing clients, don't feel the pressure of having to be the boss. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I see it again on social media. Job means just over broke. That's not true. No. That's not true because everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. Some people are meant to work somewhere. Like when I think about when it's time for me to have maybe a social media manager on, on the team, they thrive in that. You know what right, I mean? Right. So let them do what they do best and be a part of your team. It's just going to make everything else look better flow better be presented better you know we got to start it and and from that perspective and wanting to you know have a little bit more teamwork than just trying to be in charge and working solo exactly this episode is sponsored by the living room hair lounge where beauty and comfort is our top priority the living room hair lounge specializes in color trendy precise haircuts hair extensions, services, and natural texture styling. Centrally located in the heart of downtown Ferndale at 22747 Woodward Avenue, Suite 204. Check out our work and follow us on Instagram at the Living Room Hair Lounge and on Facebook at the Living Room Hair Lounge. Book one of our talented stylists at www.vagaro.com forward slash the Living Room Hair Lounge or by calling 248 248- Two six eight one six three two. We hope to see you soon at the Living Room Hair Lounge, where your beauty and comfort is our top priority. And one thing I can say about you is that you're wearing many hats. Oh gosh! <laughs> and, and as an entrepreneur, you know you still get up and post your stuff all the time. You're you're still educating yourself on you know the different techniques and mm-hmm. everything. So can you speak to some of that as well? Oh yeah, because here's the thing: if you want to last, you have to stay up on what's new. I can't tell you how many um, seasoned veteran stylists get stuck, and you can tell because they stop going to get educated. You know, they're not necessarily giving back. Um, I don't know if it's fear. Maybe it's laziness. Some people get stuck in their ways. Mm -hmm. But me personally, um, I feel like I want something that's lasting. You know, I want a business that when it is time for me to retire and sit back, it's because I choose to, not because... I'm closing the doors because business done fell apart. Right. You know, I want to build a legacy, not just for um, myself, but for my family. And, you know, have we even heard of any black-owned franchise salons? Right. No. No. You know, and it's kind of like, well, why don't we have that, you know? And then when I think about just, again, how much money this industry can make, we don't retire, you know, and, and if we do, we're not retiring from our businesses. Some of us quit and go do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about my license and how I'm licensed to do everything, again, it breaks my heart when I see people struggling. It's like, well, if hair didn't do it, try the lashes. If lashes and brows mm-hmm. and skincare didn't do it, do nails. It's like, it's so much money right. that can be made, you know? And so it makes me say, well, what happened? Did you get burned out? And part of the burnout, I think, is because of the lack of structure. Until we get certain structure in place and learn how to flow and function as a business so that we we don't necessarily have to wear a thousand hats. We right. can now delegate responsibilities to people. I feel like we won't get burnt out so quickly. Yeah. And that's one thing as a leader... You have to be able to build up other leaders. Yes. So you have to be able to train other people to do what you do because you can't do everything. And then eventually, if you want to scale and grow your business, then you will have to hire that salon manager like you said. You will have to have a marketing manager. Mm-hmm. You will have to have those things. Yeah. But if you don't even um, understand the business side, like you said, just in balancing the books, yeah. and keeping the, the whole system running in order, then how are you even going to get to the point where you can hire somebody absolutely, and, you know, be able to just focus on your clients and, 
and then work on the things you love to do, and then you hire somebody to do the other things so mm-hmm. that you can do what you're most passionate about. Yeah. Like, eventually, we all got to start, so we're doing everything, you know, in our business, but you don't want to do that forever. Right. <laughs> you, know? you don't. And then I think, too, the other factor of that, you know, what you're bringing up about, you know, being even in a position to hire people, you know, it goes back to knowing the business when it comes down to the cost of business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so many different price lists out here when it comes to certain things. We don't even know what the industry standard is anymore. Right. Because we are we have so many situations. Again, it goes back to the lack of structure. And again, I'm not saying you can't be a free agent. You know, I get it. You have to do what works for you. But I do feel like if we saw more structured situations, especially in the African-American community, I feel like it could potentially cut down on the whole people undercutting the industry. You just getting started and you charging what the beauty schools is charging or less just to grow a clientele instead of maybe working at a commission salon. So you're getting in-house training and you're getting paid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To learn the ropes. But at the same time, the consumer that comes in that gets serviced by you is going to pay industry standard because that salon has already made sure that those prices match that. And then when you think about why these prices are set the way that they're set and you look at a structured situation, and I'll use my salon for an example. You know, this would be the, um, we're actually in our second year of being a commission-based situation and you know when i think about our price list when my clients come in when you look at the order of how things is going you're not just paying me you paying for that receptionist you paying for that website you paying for this coffee you paying for the thing to run like i know i can't do this alone Mm -hmm. so you supporting my business is also helping put food on the table of my two associates that's working with mm-hmm. me. And then it continues as we hire other people, you know, because of the way we have our salon set up, you know, you don't have a budget for a receptionist to take the phone calls and book the appointments for you. You trying to curl hair, then you got an earpiece in your ear, which is being rude to the client who's paying mm-hmm. for your time. Then you stopping and you texting and you know, it's just, it's a lot. And my thing is like, we have to realize that we don't have to be a one man show. You know, we do have technology now where you can do the online booking and things of that nature. But then there are situations where you might have some old school people who not, yeah. really uh, digitally aware right. they don't know how to work things so it's good because I even think about when I have to call DT or somebody sometimes you get tired of talking to the animated people you want to talk to a human being mm-hmm. so you know there is still a place for a receptionist you know what I mean or whatever you want to call it we call it guest service uh, representative at our salon. Well, even like I just had an uh, interview with a virtual assistant. Exactly. And she does some of that stuff. So they don't have, the salon she worked with, they don't have someone in-house, but, you know, the call is routed to her. Uh-huh. And she will take you any questions. Yeah. And the appointments. Like, they have the online setup. Mm-hmm. But, like, for those extra questions, she's able to answer. Mm-hmm. And the stylist doesn't have to worry about that. Right. They can service their clients. Mm-hmm. And so, and but, you know, you have to... People don't understand that you have to count up the cost to operate in business. Exactly, because you got to pay for that. Before you set your prices. Yes, yes. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to charge 50 for this. No, you have to count up the cost. Yeah, because what does it cost you to do that service? Then the time involved. You know, like, I don't understand, like, you know, oh, gosh, because I don't want to step on no toes, but... Like when the whole $50 weave shop kind of came into fruition, Mm -hmm. I get what you were trying to do. And it really was to get you in the door because you really wasn't paying $50 for just, you know, the whole shebang if you walked in there and wanted to get a weave. However, because in some instances it goes back to trying to cut corners, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily want to have the shampoo people, so we're going to hire you know, some girls who know how to braid and then it's going to be like a little assembly line and, you know, they just going to braid here, then this person going to sew it in and then this person going to style it. And, you know, it it ended up kind of being somewhat of a bust because of the lack of training. You know, some of these girls didn't know how to do the proper braiding for the foundation. I can't tell you how many phone calls we got talking about. I went there and, you know, 
they messed my weave up. Can you fix it? And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I can't work on top of other people's work. But what I can do is take it down for you and do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's about value. Like, are you adding value? And are you making people understand what that looks like? You know, there's people who love Groupon. I get it. We all like a good deal (laughs) at some point. But certain things should not be cheap. And as the 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 stylist, we got to start, like you said, counting up the cost. You know, when you think about being on that one client for three hours, you really think $50 is sufficient exactly. it's to pay them. And you they've been in your salon for three hours servicing you. Like, that's not fair. You know, whether it's a color service, a haircut, like we have to really start being realistic when it comes to our pricing. And that's why I'm like the new generation. Stop trying to hustle, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You hustling. But then you be done work so hard to get that clientele when you figure out your worth and want to go up. You're going to lose all of them people and you almost starting over. They're going to look for the next cheap girl. Exactly. They're not going to come to you. Exactly. So you, in my opinion, I feel like you need to just start off in a salon assistant. Let them pay you hourly. But these clients going to know to pay the salon fee. And then when you work your way up to be a stylist, the prices are already going to be set. So even if you decide... You want to work in that salon for so many years and then you're going to go. Your clients are already used to paying. You see what I'm saying? What the industry standard is. Mm-hmm. And so I what I can say about you is, is that what, that's what separates you. You're very business. You're very entrepreneurial. You you stay on top of your education. You, you're studying how to make your salon better and how to run in operations. Mm-hmm. Um what can you say contributed to that? Because everybody's not like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, just my own personal growth and my own personal goals and aspirations. You know, like I said, when I started out, it was booth rental. That's all I knew. And then when it was time for me to open the salon, that's what I did. And then I felt like I was hitting the ceiling. I couldn't go. I'm working just as hard, not not if not harder. And I had a full salon of stylists. Mm-hmm. All of my booths were filled and people were paying me, but the bills was not, you see what I'm saying? It just wasn't adding up. So I had to reassess and see like, it shouldn't be me still grinding. Like, and that's what I'm saying. That's the misconception sometimes people have about business owners. Even when it's booth rent, people figure they be trying to count your money and listen, get out of my pockets because the other side of this is, we got two situations going on here. Just like I got rent here, I got a mortgage at home. Mm-hmm. I got a phone bill here, got a phone bill at home. Light bill here, light bill at so home. So you tell me, they're like, oh, well, we pay you two fifty a week times this, and you got this video. Are you serious? People, you would be surprised. <laughs> wow. You know, and that's why a lot of times I say, mm-hmm, okay, well, then it's time for you to go and get your own, and then you'll see. Because it's so easy to say that the owner needs to be doing this and they need to be doing that. And when it's a booth rental situation, you're technically your own boss. Mm-hmm. I'm just housing you here. You're paying me rent, to, to, but I'm not responsible if your clientele is whack. I'm not responsible right. for advertising for you. And, and, and you even have stylists who literally think that booth rent should be maybe 100, 200 is a lot. You know, and it's kind of like, where y'all come from? Like, you know, I actually had someone reach out to me at one point. Somebody was looking for a space. This was back when I was boofering. And he had made a whole status talking about, I have a huge clientele, but I don't want to pay no more than $100 a week for boofering. <laughs> and you think that's fair for you to be running my gas, my lights, my water, and only pay $100? Meanwhile, you leaving out, depending on what you charge and how many people you're really doing, making a good 2000 3000 a week. And I'm supposed to just get... A hundred. Wow. You, but it's if people don't understand the cost of business, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm saying. Like, I want um, salon owners to start standing up for what you need, really, and then I need stylists to really, really, really kind of take a step back and let's really look at this thing for what it is. Because if you think when that salon owner may go up on their boyfriend that they really trying to like you know, take from you or whatever. It's like half the time when some, at least for me, when I went up, 
it was one more client that you had to take. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like when you start, if I'm going up $50 and you charge $50 for a pressing curl, girl, just add one more person to the <laughs> roster. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like it's not hitting your pockets that bad. But again, I think it's that poverty mindset. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's this, no, this part of the reason why you don't want to be the boss. You just want to, you want to work somewhere <laughs> and let them have all the responsibility and you get the benefits of it. Meanwhile, the owner is stressing out, mm-hmm. you know, trying to juggle everything. So I feel like that's a real conversation that may need to be um, had in the beauty industry to give some people a realistic view of what that looks like. So when you're a salon owner is saying they need X, Y, and Z from you, I mean, right. it's, it comes from a real place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, if you just keep um, sharing the knowledge, um, obviously you're very passionate about the industry and passionate about your craft. Oh, yeah. And you love, you truly love, especially to be in it for this long. Mm-hmm. And so, and I and I, I appreciate it. And I know of other people that when you go to the schools and you speak, really appreciate yeah. what you share. Because I know, like, just being in the beauty industry myself, coming up, a lot of people didn't share this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's and one talk of the, about this stuff. That's one of the things I have been, like, when I do see certain veterans, you know, I do ask them, like, well, do you go back to the schools? Do you talk? Because, again, that's the other part. We cannot be mad at what's going on and we not doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to speak up. And, and I get it. You know, young people going to do what they do. Sometimes, like I say, they can be very ambitious and they just have their own little plan. Sometimes you got to just let them go and bump their little head. And mm-hmm. then, you know, sometimes they'll circle back around. But I think it's very important that those of us who have the knowledge go back and share. We have to stop viewing the up and coming or just even our peers as this competition. competition. Because at the end of the day, we all, first of all, you can't do everybody here, here in right. this world. Like you can't, I don't want to do everybody here. <laughs> I want to go home and be with my husband right. and spend time. I don't want to be at the salon all day. Exactly. And sometimes people may not want to pay that. I feel like it would be smart to get yourself established so when that happens you be done train people and you could give those people to them give yeah. them their start because a lot of times when it's a situation like that these clients don't necessarily especially with a lot of the things that people are doing taking people money deposits and they not you know really professional you know i i think about my clients every time i'm getting ready to go out of town or something i want to leave them in good hands you know, so this is why I'm working on building my team. Now, I do have people that I have referred them to that don't work in my salon. But at this point, it's about building my salon and building mm-hmm. my people. So, you know, a lot of times they used to the atmosphere already. They know what they're going to get. They know when they come in the door, they're going to be treated right. They know you're not going to be late. When you have this stuff established, they'll feel more comfortable. And a lot of times they don't want to change a different atmosphere. They don't want to try to find somebody new to, you know, cover Mm -hmm. them this week. They want to just keep coming where they've been coming. So, you know, that's what I'm doing, working to build my team. So when it is time for me to take that break, you only got to go to her this week. And then as my prices go up, if you decide, you know, this is too much for you, she is right in your price range and you could stay in the same atmosphere and you know you're going to get the same treatment. You know why? Because I trained her. Right. So train them up instead of looking at them as competition, yes. right? Yes, yes. Instead of looking at them. Because there's enough out here for all of us. All of us. I mean, I don't think God would have blessed all of us with this talent if it was just exclusive to a certain amount of people. Right, right. There's millions of people in this world. Like you said, you can't do everybody. You no. Can, everybody's not going to be for you. He'll send the right people for you and mm-hmm. for, for whoever else. And so you don't have to worry about competition. Because I think that's a big thing in what it was. It was oh, the whole yeah. competition thing. So um, why why are you different? I think because I'm I'm growing to be um, aware of the fact that at the end of the day, I'm my own competition. I just want to be great at what I do. I know I'm not going to please everybody, and I'm not going to try to. I know that I'm different, and I offer something that is unique to me and the people that will be drawn to me. And with me understanding that, I feel like it, it weeds out certain thought processes it weeds out certain conversations 
because at the end of the day, I want to see everybody win, you know, and I want us all to be prosperous. Because again, like I said, you know, when you look at other cultures and different businesses, they don't even let certain family members get out there on their own unless they don't worked in this established business for a while. The money is there and they send them out to be successful. Like we don't do that. We, we sometimes are insecure. We're not aware of our unique factor mm -hmm. that we bring to the table. Like, I don't want to do hair just like you. I want to do hair like how I do it. Right. Now, I, I, I'm inspired by a lot of people. I admire a lot of people. But I think the problem comes in when you are not confident in your own ability mm -hmm. and when you're not confident in the fact that, hey, I'm just as dope as they are. You know what I'm saying? And then the flip side of that is you have to be careful looking and admiring people because you don't know what that individual went through, has gone through, is going through mm -hmm. to get what they have and be where they are. So, you know, I draw a lot of um, inspiration for people, but I've learned how to cut it off because there is a, a space sometimes if you're not careful you know, especially when you feel like you may be starting over, like how I feel like I'm starting over, mm -hmm. you know, yes, I've been in the industry this long, but because of what I'm trying to build now, starting over. And so it's easy to get distracted, Yes. you know, but you have to stay on course and know that my path is my path. Their path is their path. And what's for me is for me. All I have to do is stay focused on what I'm doing, walk this thing out. And before I know it, Things are going to flourish like I know that they will. They will. I love that. Yep. So how do you define success? Ooh, success. I feel like for me, I define success by, you know, I definitely have some goals and dreams and aspirations, but I'm not wanting for nothing. And I feel like that's success because I don't have yeah. the stress over certain things. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't come with it's low. It does. But when I sit back and think about the majority of the things that I pray for, I have them. And I'm good with that. I know the rest will follow. You know what I'm saying? But, man, when you are happy and content, that's success to me. Because there's so many people who don't have that inwardly. Right. And they have the material things. So what, what what keeps you motivated? Ooh, what keeps me motivated? Girl, my love for food. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> what keeps me motivated? I think it's just um, knowing my purpose. You know, because I really feel like I'm called to do this thing and I know that God has a specific assignment for me and that is people waiting on me to fulfill said assignment because they, their blessing is attached to it. That's what keeps me motivated because I know it's some people who I'm attached to too. I want y'all to fulfill your thing because I don't want you holding up my blessing because you scared to walk out your purpose and identity and all of that. So I feel the same way. I can't let God down and I can't let down the people who are waiting on Chantel to fulfill the very thing that she's supposed to do in this industry. It was people waiting on me. And when I think about that, I can't let them down. I have to see this thing through. That's what keeps me motivated. And you're not going to. I feel it. I, I know you got the fight in you, mm -hmm. and you're not going to let them down. Yeah. Like you're going to get it done. And you were already walking in it. Oh, yeah. Already walking in it. So I am a bookie. And I always love to find out what other entrepreneurs are reading okay. or what their favorite book is. So can you tell me either what you're reading now or what your favorite book is? Well, um, I'm, I, I kind of picked it up and put it back down, but I've been actually reading a couple of books. So Soar by yeah, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Jakes yep. um, and Michelle Obama's book. Okay. I've been reading that. And just to even read her story. Yeah. Of just her background, everything she's gone through, even up into meeting President mm -hmm. Obama. And just, you know, man, when I look at both President Obama and T.D. Jakes, when you think about how influential both of these men are, the impact they've had on this world, 
you I look at their wives because it take a strong, I mean, focused, praying yes. woman to be able to handle the magnitude of the lifestyles that both of them are living. You know, when I think mm-hmm. about Bishop Jakes, and this man is known all over the world, I mean, movies and all of this stuff, big church. They definitely done went through some stuff, but he got this wife that has been praying him through, like that has just been there. And yeah, he's out in the forefront, but she in the background, you know what I'm yeah, saying? And then Oh man. And then you got somebody like Barack. It's like Michelle had a lot to do with that. And yeah, so that's a lot. Yes. Yeah. And so it encourages me and I draw from both of those situations and it even challenges me in, in moments where I know I have a wonderful mate, but it also makes me say just as supportive as he's being to me with my dreams. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing the same for him. You know right, what I mean? Because right. it's easy to get caught up in what we doing, you know, as a business owner and all that good stuff. But I want to make sure that I'm giving that same energy back. Mm-hmm. To my mate. This is why I can't be in the shop all night. Right. You know, this is why I can't be all things to all people. You know, I have mm-hmm. to learn how to cut things off and have that balance. Yep. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's important. That's yeah. your first ministry, right? Yeah. At home. Mm-hmm. home. So that's very important. So, what's your favorite business tool? Like, what's your favorite tool you like to use for your business? Ooh. For the business? Because I'm like for hair. Business, my favorite tool, it probably would be irritating social media. I ain't gonna lie. I I think social media (laughs) is cool because I do like to be able to post my videos and um, kind of engage. Yeah, so you know, I'm learning all of that too. You know, like you again, it's that staying abreast, you know, so on my downtime when I'm not working. You know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm creating content. So, again, it's it's making different creative juices about myself and my business and what I can do to make us different. Because, again, you see this all day on social media. Nothing but hairstyles and things of that nature. So, you do start to feel like, well, what is it that I bring to the table that's different? And so, that's exactly what I'm, I actually like social media. Like, it's a blessing and a curse. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, but is. that is one of my favorite tools because... Um, you know, just to even get the feedback from people. Um, and not just even when it comes to like business, when it, even when, you know, sharing my, my personal life with my husband and different things like that, you can kind of give people a little bit of a window to the other side of you. Because I think a lot of times people do just kind of know me as a hairstylist and an owner. It's like, no, I, I can be silly. I like to have fun. You know, again, I, I love to eat, you know, so little <laughs> stuff like that. Just kind of let them know that there is a different side to Chantel. So, that's great. So, do you have anything coming up, like in the pipeline? What's up, what's next for you? Well, um, I definitely have been training my stylist, and we actually have um, an educational class getting ready to happen. Um, we're hosting um, Hanzo Shears, uh, which is a company that has the best haircutting shears on the planet and um i actually purchased my first pair when we went to the premiere show in atlanta um not atlanta in orlando and um they actually hit me up like hey would you be open to hosting and i'm like sure so um we're preparing for that and um really just kind of growing my team that's really what i'm working on right now kind of taking a step back but grooming and going into the schools more trying to build more relationship with the schools and letting um them see a black face in this industry that's good so you need that even still to this day even though um the beauty industry is so large within the black community we put millions and billions of dollars back into it um our faces are seen enough yeah schools there still aren't they they still are not training people for our hair. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely it's needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that is great. So, how can people reach you and connect with you? What's the best way to uh, get connected with you? All right. Well, I have Instagram, of course. You can check out our page um, at I am Pretty Girl Studios. That's all one word. 
Um, you can also check out our website, www.prettygirl.studio. I'm also on Facebook. You can type in Chantel Gray. And then if you want to email me, you can email me at contact at prettygirl.studio. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Chantel. It's been absolutely great having you on the Aww, podcast Thank today. you so much for and having we'll, me. You're welcome. And we'll also include all your social media links okay. in the show notes as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this awesome interview with Chantel. And as always, stay great. Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also email us at bb networkpodcast at gmail.com you can also connect with me on instagram at i am brandy taylor and at exquisite looks we're also on facebook and twitter at exquisite looks and you can check out my website at exquisitelooks.com i really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon remember that all things are possible if you only believe stay great <laughs>